What's up, everybody? I'm Josh So Focus. I'm French, the bro host, and we would like to welcome you to the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, the next podcast. And if you didn't know, we're a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you should check us out first on Twitter at the Knicks Take. Then go to YouTube and search Nick's Take Videos. Then you could come on over to Instagram and follow us at The Nick's Take. And lastly, on Facebook at Nick's Take Media. So, French, my you. brother, Nick's aside, how was your week? It wasn't as entertaining as last week. I had a, I had a few stories last week. This week, I just picked up another job. Not really. Another job. Yeah, I got three jobs at the moment. I'm, I'm driving. What job you? Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to tell you. I'm driving <laughs> Uber, Grubhub, and my main job, state finance tax. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's three jobs right there. Not to mention the, the podcast. That's a fourth job. So, we working hard out here. Where do you find the time? <laughs> a lot of time in the day. <laughs> uh man. Well, I mean, I can relate. I also have several jobs. I I also work for the state. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a parent. Mm -hmm. And I also do the podcast. And I do something else. I'm not entirely sure. But there's something something else that I have to do. Edit, <laughs> with my time you, you edit the pod you edit the video for the pod let's yeah. not let's talk about it you're doing a lot i back mean here. i do i do a lot for the pod i do mm -hmm. a lot so i definitely understand the uh struggles when it comes to management of time and, and working hard out here yeah all and right we had very <laughs> few distractions from the bum ass knicks this week <laughs> speaking of the knicks let's get into uh, it let's do a recap of last week uh, it started off about. Last week started off promising. We had the great win over the Atlanta Hawks. We thought things were were shifting, were changing. The tides were turning. We were seeing it. We were seeing the old Knicks, the ones that we remembered from last season. Glimpses. And uh, what 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 did we think was going to be the catalyst for that, French? We felt like Kemba Walker being removed from the lineup was going to result in strong play for the Knicks, but. Come on. <laughs> I mean, they did start off with a strong performance. You know, they started off with a strong performance with, without Kemba with the Hawks, but that mm -hmm. was before it was announced that he was removed from the lineup, you know, indefinitely. And then they had a strong performance against the top-seeded Brooklyn Nets. Mm -hmm. And then eh, they didn't really start off great against the Bulls, but they had a great second half against the Chicago Bulls. In the end, though, they did end up losing both of those games. Yeah, and then they finished out the week with a blowout loss to the Denver Nuggets, which left the Knicks fans just in a state of panic. Including you. <laughs> Especially me. I'm always Including Mr. Optimistic, you. and now I want to yes. just 
blow the whole shit up. It's funny because last season you were Mr. Optimistic and I was like, all right, let's let's relax. And now you like, nah. <laughs> and I'm just like, settle down, right? It's not. I mean, it may end up being that bad, but I don't know if it's blow this shit up. So, well, not blow this shit up, but we do need to make some changes. And that's the one thing I'm optimistic about. If we're going to be losing like how we lose it right now and looking how we looking, I'd rather it be early on in the season when there's still time to be able to correct what's wrong with the team. Because right now there's something wrong with the team. The, 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 the fish is rotten. Yes, there is something wrong right now. But but we'll get into how I feel about it at the end of the pod after we go over this week's games. And we'll go into also some changes that you think the Knicks need to make Can't or wait. potentially make after we go over these games. So after we got blown out by the Denver Nuggets, our first game of the week, we played the San Antonio Spurs, one of the worst teams in the Western Conference this season. Even still, though, they are still a team that is coached by Greg Popovich and have star point guard DeJounte Murray. Murray. M Murray? Murray. Murray. <laughs> Knicks come into this game on a three-game losing streak and allowed 112 points or more in each of the loss, in each of those losses. Also in this game, before this game, Tibbs was talking about, oh, yeah, we might still make some more changes. Well, there was a change that started with this game. Mitchell Robinson taken out of the starting lineup and Nerlens Noel getting the start. How did you, How feel, you feel about, about that? that? Oh, see, see, oh. see, I was going to let you take it off. <laughs> but, but since you passing it, since you passed it to I, me, I'll tell you how I feel about it. <laughs> I like it. Even you though Nerlens, Nerlens isn't having the best season so far, I feel like being a veteran and having experience in this game, you know what teams are going to do. And sometimes you need that that experience out there, especially when your young guy is just not at the the place that he's supposed to be at so far. So it gives Mitch a chance to beat up on the second unit, get his confidence back, get his rhythm back, get some running, lose some more weight. Cause it looked like they they said on the on the air that he lost twenty pounds from the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. He started mm -hmm. the year off two seventy, he's like two fifty right now. So and he's been looking better. So and he's been lasting out there. I think he's two sixty. Two sixty, yeah. So he started off at two eighty. Yeah. But he's looking a lot better. He's staying on the court longer and he's being more productive in the minutes that he is out there. But you don't know that yet, cause Jelani ain't tell you what happened in San Antonio game. <laughs> Just to respond to your question for me, I don't like it, but I'll get into why after we recover, we recap all of these games. So San Antonio did not look good early, I'll tell you. It didn't seem like that starting Nerlens Noel was really doing a damn thing for the Knicks. Outside of RJ hitting a three, the Spurs appeared to have control over the game in that first quarter, including an alley-oop pass to DeJounte Murray on the fast break. At the end of the first, bench came in, changed the tide as they have normally done this season. Starters stinking it up, bench comes in. Yeah, we're going to come in, we're going to play, we're going to play our game, we're going to play fast, we're going to score, we're going to defend. We're gonna... And all of a sudden, the Knicks are right back in it. They take the lead. 
Once a Nick, always a Nick, Doug McBuckets, a.k.a. Doug McDermott, drained a buzzer-beating three with two Nick defenders closing in on him. One of them happened to be quickly. I think the other was Alec Burks. Oh, it was Grimes. Yes, it was Grimes. Closing on him to tie the game. And that was the end of the first quarter. That is how the first quarter ended with Doug McBuckets just fading, shooting, draining the three it was and nothing tying to do the to game. Stop that. They they nothing. did that perfectly. Yeah, yeah. If you, you just got to tip your hat when you got two guys with outstretched arms and you shoot over both of them and hit that shot with the buzzer about to go off, mm-hmm. you, you just clap it up. You, you give it to them. Good shot. Now make it again. Now, second quarter. Basically, the f- whole first half, R.J. Barrett kept draining threes. Mitch kept grabbing reboards, rebounds to help the Knicks keep a lead at the end of the first half. And that was a trend that extended for the full game. R.J. Barrett, oh, we're going to talk about it. Four for four from three in the first half. Had 19 points. 19 points at halftime. This is a guy who's averaging, what, 12, 13, 14 points on the season. He had 19 points at the half. Right? Mitch, seven points, 10, 10 rebounds at the half. Julius Randle, our leader, our star player, all-star, all-star forward, right? all-NBA, second team at the half, two points, three re- rebounds, three assists. Right? Very surprising. Second half, mostly a game of the Knicks keeping the Spurs from getting it too close. Right? Knicks were up double digits, 10 points, 11 points, 12 points. Second half was basically them saying, yeah, you guys can keep this a game. They kept it within 9, 8, 10, 12, but the Spurs never really got it so close that the Knicks had to really be worried. And... Julius was a bigger factor in the second half than he was in the first. Scored an additional 13 points, setting up his teammates for a lot of open looks. Looked to be making a lot of quicker decisions. And if the defense tried to double team him, he would pass it off quickly. Mm-hmm. When in one-on-one situations, if they weren't going to double team him, he would do his little step back jump, and knock it down. The Spurs couldn't really do anything. They had the personnel and the Knicks, Right. In the end, the Knicks shooting kept the Spurs out of this game, and the Knicks won it 121-109 to off of the backs of several Knicks. We already talked about Mitchell Robinson. It looked like he took that demotion personally, and I took that personally. He ate up the Spurs on the offensive boards with eight and had 14 rebounds total in 22 minutes. I think he had enjoyed, a double-double. I think he enjoyed coming off the bench. It didn't seem like he was angry. He was like, oh, this is my time. It didn't to shine. seem like he was angry. He just looked like he was, oh, you gonna do- okay, watch this. Just had a double double, eleven points, fourteen rebounds. Mm-hmm. And should I be coming off of the bench behind Nerlens? I do nothing, Noel. Mm. It worked. Yeah. Also, Emmanuel quickly didn't shoot the ball well from three, but manipulated the Spurs time in and time out with an array of mid-range jumpers and floaters. He finished with 16 points. Jules was key in the second half with his contributions. As I talked about, he finished with 15, 7, and 7. And RJ Barrett was the best player on the court. Couldn't miss from three. I mean, not, you know, he he did miss once (laughs) but he couldn't miss he finished seven of eight from three and dropped 32 points on the spurs head top 
to get back to 500. To get back to 500. Now, I, if the Knicks could play like this every night offensively, they wouldn't be back to 500, yeah. right? They would have a few more games than what they had. There were still some concerns defensively that I could see, but, and that would explain why the Spurs never were really like, they never really got to 20 points, 25, 30, you know. That's really the main reason. When the Knicks are scoring like this, if the defense is on point, the Spurs are put away in this game early. They always were just close enough to where Tibbs wasn't comfortable to to put his guys on the bench, and it was because of the defense. Mm -hmm. You got any thoughts on this game there? It was French? it was one of those games that you just felt confident, com confident. I'm making up words Com over here. You confident? felt confident in while watching live. And it just didn't feel like the Spurs were ever going to make that run to come back. And it was one of those games where it was just like, all right, we're just the better team here. So <laughs> there's not much to take away when you're watching a game like that. You did what you were supposed to do. And I was looking forward to this next matchup against the Pacers. But how did you feel about the game? I mean, the same as you, really. I, it was... Encouraging to say the least. I was glad to see RJ bust out the shooting slump with yes. a thirty point game. So that's yes. that's the takeaway of this game. I just want yes, to see he, that 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 kind of was what I was looking for in the next game to see. Okay, was this a once in a blue moon? Yeah, you knocked down every you were used to seeing you go one for seven, zero oh for seven. And now you have only missed one out of seven, eight yeah. shots. Will that continue in the next game? That's exactly what I was about to say. The next game, coming off of encouraging victory over the San Antonio Spurs, the Knicks face a Pacers team who was reportedly about to blow it up and tank for the season. The Pacers came into the game on a five-game losing streak and on the doldrums of the Eastern Conference. The reporters were saying that the Pacers were interested in trading away their top talent and Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis, who's an all-star, Miles Turner, who's the NBA leader in shot blocks by a, a, a large margin the last time I checked. And the last time we played in Indiana, the Knicks lost 111-98 to to Miles Turner, going 7 for 10 from 3. So the Knicks showed previous interest in him before. I think he could make the team better. But we'll talk about trade scenarios later. <laughs> Taj Gibson is getting the start with Nerlens Noel out. And a few key moments of the game, I felt like, were after the Knicks started to come off. Well, they came off the game, the San Antonio game. They didn't seem like they had the same life, the same energy. This game was a back-to-back, -back, right? This game was a back-to-back. -back. We had just played the San Antonio Spurs the night before. Right. On Tuesday, this was on Wednesday against the Pacers. And they definitely looked like it was the second game of a back-to-back. -back. Right. And they played like it was the second night of a back-to-back. -back. And uh, everybody, for the most part, except for Obi Toppin, I felt like. So the first quarter, outside of the two bench guys who normally bring all that energy, Julius just didn't seem like to be the same guy from last year to me. He just shows a few flashes of brilliance and then takes off three, four plays in a row. Walking out there, swinging his arms instead of being in a defensive stance is just like being in the paint not contesting layups i hate to see that from your star from your star player and the main guy who's in every post game show talking about 
we need to be lead with our defense, and defense is, going, is, is what's going to win us games. So I don't like to see that. Another player who's been disappointing me is Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, because it seems like he's been going through the motions lately. He's, he hasn't had a game where he's hit multiple shots in a row in a while. I haven't seen. I see him make one, miss three, make a good play, good pass, turnover, try again, turnover. Like, he's just been inconsistent in every sense of the word. He keeps doing these jump passes that other players around the league are starting to predict. Every time he gets up, gets up in the air and starts to pass the ball, it's a turnover, it seems like, or a phenomenal plat pass, which is not what you want. He hasn't had a game above 50% from the field since the Chicago loss at home. Remember how long ago that, that game was? That was so, last week. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what Evan I'm saying through a, through a span of games, you don't want to go yeah. through a span of games you don't go that, consistently that games. under 50% from the field or at 50% for one game. Mm -hmm. But right. another player, Evan Fournier. You, we, we, we just finished talking about how the last game in Indiana, we lost because Miles Turner was busting our ass. This time... Let me, let me jump in. I think we forgot a game. That was actually the first game that they played. They did play after that. And, no, no, no. And the Knicks won the last game. I, no, no, but no. We, I'm we talking about in it. Indiana. The last yes. time we were in Indiana as a team, yes, we remember what happened. And when you we come remember. back, you want to set the tone. You want to set. Let the them tone, know yeah. that this is not going to be the same type of game. That's not what happened. Well, I Evan, feel like they felt like they set the tone when they came to the Garden, or whatever the last game was, and we're like, "Oh yeah, we got that win back." So you know, whatever that didn't, have, you know, this is a new game. That's how they played. That's not how I view it. If you lost <laughs> like that in the opposing uh, team's arena. The next time you go there, you got to send a message if you you're the better that, team. You but should. It's not what happened, though. <laughs> when you Evan Fournier and you let the Indiana Pacers rookie and Chris Duarte take his lunch meet the entire game, that's not a good sign. Duarte only missed two shots from the entire, in the entire game, scoring 23 points on Evan Fournier, the 10-year NBA vet. That's not a good look. OB, he was balling. He was getting easy fast break opportunities in the close game. The minute he got into the game and the moment that he went out on a fast break and did that between the legs dunk, I stood up. I'm like, that's what I want to see. And then right after that, it seemed like we ain't score for like another five, six minutes. The paces, they didn't like that shit. They came out. It started defending us heavy. They went on a run. They didn't get much resistance from the Knicks. And going into the to the to the half, every single player had a negative plus minus. What were let you about to say? Let me just say that. Let me just say that. I don't even You talking about that dunk from Obi. Mhm. Mm Your man Obi had a fast break East Bay dunk while the Knicks were losing. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't a blowout. Like, it was a close game still at that point. That is a play that, first of all, if you miss that play, you might come out of the game right then and there. Ain't no the fact that he, The fact that he made the dunk means that the rest of you need to wake the F up. Yep. And the Should Knicks have did been not inspired. 
The, exactly. And, like, he came out to play. He, he's doing dunks that you see in the dunk contest. And it was like, woo, we won. That's how they played. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, that, was, that was it. All we needed was that one play and, and no more energy for the rest of this game. Sorry, go ahead. That was the end. That was the first half. Well, the game basically ended after that. Well, that was there was game. nothing else to watch. <laughs> <laughs> after that, it was all Indiana. The Knicks lose one hundred two to one twenty two, and Clyde said on air that he he hasn't seen a game where the entire team had a negative plus minus. But um, the only team that I could think of was the game earlier this season with Memphis and OKC, where the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Oklahoma City Thunder by NBA record 73 points without their best player in John Moran. That's the only mm-hmm. other time I've seen every single player on the team have a negative plus minus. But, I, I feel like I've seen it before also, but I just... When you get blown out and there's yeah. nothing that you can do, that's kind of just how plus minus works. Like, if everybody that you put on the court aren't helping you extend the lead or excuse me, not extend the lead, cut into the lead, and you you just get in worse and worse and worse. That that's how that works. So, but I don't uh, want to be. But I'm not gonna lie. The the third string players when they came into the game, they didn't have no negative plus or minus. They was balling out there. <laughs> I liked how they looked together. And after the game, my final thoughts were like, RJ, we said that we wanted to see what he did the next game. He went three for five from three. He didn't have a great mm-hmm. shooting game all around, but his three point shooting doesn't. He he's not breaking shots like he was before. And, and so I'm, I'm I was happy to see that. The third mm-hmm. squad, I said, I, I'm I was happy to see how they played together. They play with continuity. They play with chemistry, like how IQ and Obi have developed some chemistry last year. That's who they reminded me of this year. The times that they play in Kevin Knox, Miles McBride, Deuce out there wilding, in the G League. <clears throat> In the minutes, in the minutes that he's playing in the G League, Miles McBride has been balling, and the other two-way player, Lucas Samanich, you remember him? We signed yep. him a little while ago. He yep. was just named the G League Player of the Week. That's so encouraging. It's looking like if he keeps lighting up the G League like this, he might be getting ready for a call up to the NBA team soon, and Deuce might start getting some minutes in the rotation if he's hooping like that, and if. Deuce continues to do what he's doing. Because the defense, the defense is poorly lacking energy. And these two players, I'm not saying Luca's a defender, but he's providing something. Some energy. He's definitely gonna provide some energy, some easy scoring in the paint, some shooting. He's a good all-around player. I like his game a lot. Miles McBride is gonna definitely, definitely provide defense. You can rely on him for that. Absolutely. We haven't seen him provide shooting in the NBA, but we also haven't seen him play in the NBA. We've seen him play in the G League. Go look him up on YouTube right now and see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that, that's I, that's all the takeaways I had after this game. Did you have any from 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 the Pacers game? I just, I've I've just been wondering why Obi don't play more which we've talked about earlier this season, it was like, yo, last season he was getting 10 minutes a game, but it made sense. He's got he's to start getting closer to that 30-minute-a-game mark because he comes in every game and he just changes the energy that's on the court 
just by running and outrunning everyone. Right? He scored 13 points on six for nine shooting. I'm about to look at how many minutes he played. He probably played 20 minutes in this game, but I I would argue he didn't even play 20 minutes in this game. He played 19 minutes. Why is he only playing 19 minutes? Why? Who is he getting minutes over? Let me look at the starting lineup. Taj Gibson had 17 minutes, scored zero points, two offensive rebounds, four rebounds, one turnover. Why is he getting so many minutes? I, I It doesn't make any sense to me. You you could argue even Mitch, who got 19 minutes in this game. He only scored four, four points. He didn't have the rebounding game he had against the Spurs. He only had two rebounds in this game, and he had two blocks. That was his contribution. You need somebody out there for the energy, for the, for the things that Obi Toppin is providing that nobody else is. Yeah, he had a negative plus minus, but Obi is out there doing things that you need your team to have. Knicks lost this game 122 to 102, a 20-point loss. And brought them back under 500. And that that's just inexcusable. You need to play the guys who are going to give you Give you their all. And Obi is one of those guys. So we come from that game into Toronto. Knicks back under 500. Stephen A. Smith out here screaming again. Screaming A. Smith calling out the players for playing like trash. Screaming A. Smith. I heard that. I like that. The, I never heard that before. The unmitigated goal. We were hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Led us straight. Run yeah, we know, we we know, we know. Screaming A. So that's that's what we lead into this game with. And even though I'm making fun of him and you know, rolling my eyes, it kind of encapsulates kind of what some of us are feeling. Yeah. Game opens, RJ scores a turnaround jumper, giving the Knicks a 2-0 lead. And that was the last time the Knicks would lead in the first half. <laughs> yeah, because more of what I was saying before, just low IQ plays, low energy plays to start the game. Derrick Rose is on a fast break for one play in this first quarter. Derrick Rose is on a fast break. Mitch is ahead, near the rim, already calling for the ball. Only Fred Van Vliet is in between him and D. Rose. Alec Burks is trailing on the right, going to the corner. You know who gets the ball? Nobody. Because Derrick Rose <laughs> tries to pass it to the Burks. The Toronto Raptors smack it, and he goes out of bounds after nearly getting the steal. But the alley-oop to Mitch is right there. There's nobody in between him and the rim. It's just little old Fred Van Vliet, who's like my height. And I'm not that tall. I'm going to cape for Rose and say... We haven't seen really any alley-oops to Mitch this season. What fault is that? Mitch. No, it's not. Because Mitch ain't getting up like that. It doesn't even need to be an alley. Even Just a in high this game, pass. Fred even in this game, is... I agree with you on there. I agree with you on that. It's like, okay, you should be able to make that pass to Mitch. That's a mismatch. Maybe he just felt like yeah, you're more likely to get you're more likely to get the shot in with Alec Burks than with Mitch. I don't agree, 
but you know, I just figure I give Rose just a little bit of cape. That's a low IQ play decision <laughs> that he made. And he's been making a few of those low IQ. That's why he keeps turning the ball over as much as he is. That's why he's not having games where he's scoring more consistently in an efficient form. Like he said that he didn't play any pickup over the summer. It's starting to show right now because he doesn't seem to be comfortable on the floor. He looks like he's just trying to go through the motions and trust in what he normally does, and it's not working. But continue. I, I think uh, he's being a little hard. I think he's being a little hard on the ball, D, D. Rose. But at the end of the first, the Knicks were down 20 points, 30 to 10. I suppose at this point, the Knicks decided, oh, yeah, you know what? We came here to play a basketball game. And they got the score to within single digits before halftime and to within two with less than two minutes left. So at this point, I could say you could have entirely skipped that first half because all it was was the Knicks going down by 20 and then coming back to actually make this a game. In the second quarter. Now, in the second quarter. That was a good run. That was a so good you run. come into halftime. If you stop, don't watch the first half, and then you're in halftime, you decide you're going to put the game on. That's actually the way to watch this game. And surprisingly enough, if you did happen to watch the first half, you might be like, well, damn, they usually a third quarter of doom happens, the Knicks are going to come out, and the starters is going to. That's not actually what happened in this game, y'all. Nick came out at halftime. Raptors were up 50 to 42. After the Knicks keep trying to cut it and get a lead in the second quarter, which was encouraging, but the Raptors pulling away every time with play after play, lucky play, miraculous shot, whatever it was, 50 to 42 halftime. Knicks came out at halftime, motivated, and rattled off eight straight points to tie the game at 50. They even took a one-point lead in the third, but the Raptors kept making tough plays and hitting tough shots. Knicks stayed right in this game in the fourth quarter. Obi, we talked about him several times this week. Key plays. Started off the quarter, put back off of a Rose miss to start the fourth. He had a corner three that tied the game at 73. And he had an alley-oop in a half-court set. Wasn't a fast break. Raptors were back. He jogs from the three-point line, increases his speed as he gets close to the rim. IQ sees him, throws the lob. Obi catches it, dunks it. Defense was not ready for that. Despite all that, still saw the bench at the end of the game. Tibbs went us with a super small lineup featuring Randall, RJ, Fournier, Burks, and Rose. How did you feel about that substitution at the time that it, that it happened when you stopped seeing Obi Toppin? I understood, but I didn't like it because Obi's having a career night. He's scoring his mm-hmm. career high 19 points. Mm-hmm. He had 19 points and 10 rebounds at this point. Coming into the draft, elite basketball analyzers, these guys who've watched the draft, I've heard them say Obi Toppin isn't a dunker who can shoot. He's a shooter who just happens to be able to dunk like he can dunk. And I see so many plays where he's open, makes a shot from three. Next play, misses a few. And then he's open again, and they they won't feed him the ball. And that's hurting your offense because now you're taking a bad shot. Because if he's wide open and he's not going to get the ball, that means 
there's more feet in the paint on the other team helping to protect the goal, to protect mid-range area, to protect just play defense. And I feel like you just got to have trust in Obi. He's having a career night. He knows what he could do. He can shoot. He just haven't shot in the ball well so far in the in the season so far. Mm-hmm. I believe he can shoot. Just let him get comfortable. If he feels like, yeah, I don't believe in his shot, then of course he's going to be shooting air balls and he's not going to be making this, the, the three. But if you let him shoot until he could make his, his catch a rhythm, make his shots, I don't know what you what you expecting. You're going to put Fournier in, well, who hasn't done shit all game, you put him <laughs> in to be more of a threat. Did you see a change? Because I didn't. I just well, saw less energy out on the court. I didn't see a change, but Fournier did finish the game three for seven from three. Obi Toppin finished the game one for five from three. So I don't know if that's. I didn't like it either. I would rather Obi out there, and I don't think Fournier. I don't think Fournier provided the energy that Obi provided in that game. But at the end of the day, even though you didn't like it and I didn't like it at the time, can't complain about it because this lineup took a six-point deficit and turned it into a one-point lead in the closing minutes. Would it have? Would that have been the, the way that it worked if Obi was still? We don't know. We can't know. All we know is what happened. The Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks closed the closed the game. They tied it up. RJ knocked down the three and then threw up a nice floater before D Rose took the lead on a midi. So, as much as we didn't like it, and much as I'm still probably gonna complain about it, the Knicks took the lead in this game after that substitution. And then With that said, the Knicks couldn't capitalize on the next two misses by the Raptors, right? Which that's when you would complain. Well, okay, you guys took the lead, but now because you're so goddamn small, small. you can't get the rebound. <laughs> the, the Raptors shoot, miss, tap the ball out, miss again, grab the rebound, and gets Gary Trent Jr., who hits three for the lead. <laughs> Splash. I would argue that Maybe if you don't go small, maybe if you go small in a different direction, instead of putting Evan Fournier for Obi, maybe you put quickly, because if you're going to be small, you might as well be small, right? Have it be quickly, Burks, Rose, RJ, Randall. Quickly wasn't having a great game, though. He was taking some shots. He wasn't, but quickly is, quickly was also one for five from three. But quickly is a stronger defender than Fournier, I'll say, this season. And it just kept seeming like with Randall being as inconsistent as he's been on defense, you just need you you can't have Fournier and Randall in defensively at the end of the game. For me. I don't feel like Fournier really gave you anything at the end of this game. And I feel like quickly would have at least 
been on somebody a lot quicker than Fournier would be. And maybe Gary Trent misses a three if you have that kind of upgrade defensively. Maybe you don't get the rebound, but maybe he doesn't make the shot. That's no, how I feel. Me saying that quickly wasn't having a great game, does I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I completely mm -hmm. agree. I'm just explaining what Tibbs probably was thinking. And yep. Fournier, he's a better shooter, whatever. Yep. I want whatever. OB in the game or IQ in the game in yep. the clutch over Fournier, both. So even though... <clears throat> Gary Trent hits that three. The Knicks still had a shot to win this in the end. RJ brought the ball up on the fast break, but the Raptors recovered pretty well. They turned around, found an open Julius Randle from behind the arc, who took the shot for the lead and break. missed. <laughs> it was a well-executed play that it just didn't go down. It actually looked like it was going to go down. It, it hit the front, it hit the back, it bounced out. It, 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 it was a shot that it could have gone down. The Knicks go up one. Instead, the Knicks remain down two. Raptors get fouled with less than a second left. Gary Trent misses the second foul shot. The Knicks have one last opportunity to tie the game down by three. Call timeout. Looks like they have trouble getting the ball inbounded. Raptors defend well. RJ gets the ball, shoots a turnaround three that hits the side of the rim. And that was how the game ended. Final, Toronto Raptors 90, New York Knicks 87. My thoughts. RJ got fouled on that last shot, last shot attempt, but I'm not mad that it wasn't called. Just wanted to note, it wasn't called. Unlike in other games where people get fouled in the final seconds that determines the win. Not speaking about any game in particular, of course. Obi Toppin. <laughs> Obi Toppin scored a career high, as I noted earlier, 19 points, 10 rebounds. Scotty Barnes, though, that boy good. That boy real good. He see, I feel like if Scotty Barnes wasn't in this game, the Knicks win this game. Like, that's how yeah. I feel. Not Scottie to say Barnes that, is, like, gonna be nice. not, not saying, like, nobody else on the Toronto Raptors, like, everybody on the Raptors, it were equal in terms of how much they contributed to the Raptors win, but Scotty Barnes was usually the guy to make that play that kept the Raptors in the lead, that brought, that gave them the lead, that gave them the tie. Like he was getting rebounds, he was getting blocks, he was doing everything, all of the little things. He was scoring. He finished six for 12. He had 12 points. He had 15 rebounds. He had two blocks. He had two steals. He had three assists. That boy is good, man. He's he's very intelligent. He's a rookie. He's only going to get better from here. Yeah. So he played 41 minutes in this game. Like, everything that you need that they asked him to do, he went out there and did. And, and he didn't hit a three. No. He only took one. He missed it. And he missed it. So I bring that up for good reason. Continue. RJ shooting, not back. <laughs> he went two for seven from three, which I guess is better than the one for seven and the O for sevens he was shooting before. Obi needs more minutes, and he might need to start. Getting thought, back to this whole center discussion. I thought RJ didn't shoot well from three, but I don't think he had a bad game at all. I thought he, he did had not. a really good no. game. No, it's just... Falling. The shot was not falling. He shot seven times. He only made two, which is a lot different than the last two games. So it's you, we still, to me, we still have to keep an eye on it. If 
he shoots 50% or better from, th- or not even 50% better, but if he shoots better than 35% from three in the next game, then mm-hmm. we could be like, the shot's officially back. RJ looked like uh, the best player on this team. Um, he's looked like Toronto. the best team. Th- this entire week, he looked like the best player on this team. At least offensively, he did. I'd he really hasn't be been doing. Look at it. He hasn't been doing all of the little things the way that he had been doing the previous couple of seasons, but shooting and scoring and and an overall decision making on offense, he's gotten a lot better than he has all year, really. Yeah, Outside of a game here or there. I'd really like to see Obi in the starting for with RJ. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that we'll get into the centers in a few minutes, but I just don't see why we've started Mitch, we've started Nerlens, we've started Taj. You still have the same issue. I, at this point, they're all really too banged up to really give you what it is that they can give you. Just start Obi. Just start Obi and give him the bulk of the minutes. Let these guys rest. And, and, and let's just go from there. Even if we lose games with Obi starting, he's earned it. You know, Tom Thibodeau had a quote where he said, yeah, if he plays well, he's been playing well all year. There's really no reason for Mitch, Nerlens, not to say that they're not better options, but they're not healthy. Start Obi, give him the minutes, let these guys recuperate. Yeah, I completely agree. Speaking of Nerlens. He needs to not be on the court until he's moving right. He's not giving us anything. I don't mind Mitch coming off of the bench because I think that Mitch, even while hurt, he's still giving you something. And he can give you more beating up on the second unit than he can the starting unit at this point. Even though when he played against the Pacers, he didn't really give us anything. It's because he was tired, because he was hurt. Normal games, just let him come off the bench. He'll give you something. Nerlens ain't giving us nary a thing. Let him stay off the court until he's moving right. Julius has scored 13, 15, and 18 this week. He did not lead, he was not the leading scorer in any of the games this week. With that said, I feel like his decision making on offense is much better. And even though we still get to see those occasional pointless turnovers because he wants to start dribbling instead of backing into the defender. I'm okay with what he's the way that he's played this week. He needs to put up a few more shots, I think, but his decision making has been okay. He needs to lock in defensively, though. I think that if if there's one place where he's killing us, it's that he's not locked in defensively from quarter one to quarter four. Any disagreements there so far, French? Completely agree. No disagreements. I'm ready to get ha, so into how what I've been waiting for. Are you feeling? about this team is there anything in particular that you are feeling it's funny you should ask i had something (laughs) in my mind that i've been wanting to share and i know i say this every episode but the more that i i think about it it just makes more and more sense i asked you before we started recording what you thought about this i asked you yo would you Trade Julius Randle for Ben Simmons. The mixtape podcast. <laughs> Remember what you said? 
Ah, uh, no. <laughs> That's what I said. Why? In, in, in short terms. Well, let me, let me hear you first. Cause I, I meant to look something up when you, after you told me that and I completely forgot. Well, I did a whole lot of looking up, not a whole mm -hmm. lot, just a little bit. And I just thought this trade made so much sense because of the fact that the Knicks are basically allowing Julius Randle to run point guard. Starting the yes. games, the point guard ain't really bringing the ball up. Kemba was never bringing the ball up. Burks is taking turns with Julius. And he's not a point guard. Ben Simmons is an all-NBA caliber player who's 6'11". Mm -hmm. and happens to just run the point guard position. Mm -hmm. Their stats aren't that different for career sake purposes. Julius Randle averages 17.5 points, 9.2 rebounds, and 3.4 assists for his career. Ben averages 15.9, 16 points, 8.1 rebounds, and 7.7 .7 assists for his career. He's a taller player. He averaged eight rebounds with a dominating center, a superstar center in Joel Embiid, who's also an elite rebounder. Julius Randle has never had success playing along a super, alongside a superstar. He played with AD in New Orleans, didn't go anywhere. Kemba this year, he's not a superstar, but he's a high-volume shooter. They didn't look well together. They looked terrible together, actually. And even if Kemba... In his best games, you couldn't see Julius Rendu fitting into the offense when Kemba was hot. They would take turns together. You remember that, right? Kemba's mm -hmm. hot, Julius is cold. Yep. Julius is hot, Kemba's cold. Ben Simmons makes his teammates better. And you see the difference from when he's playing and not playing. The 76ers were the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference last year with a record of 49 and 23, damn near 51 team. This season, they're the seventh seed and only two games above 500 with a record of 14 and 12. Ben Simmons has also been named to an All-NBA defensive team twice. You think Tibbs don't know what to do with him? And if you're wondering about how Ben Simmons shooting would look in this lineup, you could look at the, the shooting percentages. Yeah, he's not a great free throw shooter. He's not a great three. He's not a three point shooter at all. But everything else that you want to think about what he is, he's really good at. Among the top tier at. And Julius Randle averages 48% from the field for his career. But so far this season, he's only at 43% for, for, for the field. He's averaging 34% from three, and this season he's averaging 33%. We're not getting much production from Julius Randle's ability to shoot. So the idea that we'd have a lower volume shooter in Ben Simmons does sound like the perfect solution to me right now. You have someone who's a point guard who's not going to be jacking up a bunch of stupid-ass shots. Get your teammates involved, get everyone else playing well, and get his points while he's in the game. and whenever it just makes sense. Getting a feel for the game. That's what Ben Simmons is good at, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like with Ben Simmons here, we could possibly bring Kemba back into the starting five. 
to replace the volume scoring that Julius Randle provides. Kemba could take as many shots as he wants. He wasn't a bad shooter. His field goal percentages were not bad. It was defense. We'd be a step better with Ben Simmons in the lineup with Kemba and surprise, since Mitch is not starting no more, we could also start Taj Gibson, who's the best floor spacing big man option that we have at the moment. He could we we can rely on his mid-range shot, I feel like. He plays a, a sophisticated NBA style defense for a for a center who's not a high flying dunker like Mitchell Robinson is or used to be. You could start Burks at the two. You could have RJ at the three, Ben Simmons at the four, and Taj at the five with Walker running the point. That's not a bad offense right there or a bad defense. Everyone's an, a solid defender outside of Kemba. Okay. I'm with Simmons, you so Simmons would also make OB Toppin an even better player because... Now, when you had the four and five with Ben Simmons and Obi, it's not so much of a defensive liability as it is with Randall. Ben Simmons is a taller, bigger player than Randall. And he's, and he's a potential defensive player of the year candidate every single year. Point guards coming into the garden and getting comfortable, getting to the paint with ease. It's not going to be happening with Taj in the, back, in, in the, in the, in the paint. Simmons lurking on around around the side. Kemba's a he's not an elite defender, but if you give him the the room that he needs to, you know what I'm saying, do what he's supposed to do. Tips can make Kemba a little bit more of a, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a better option on defensive end than what we've been seeing so far with the help surrounding him. He hasn't had much help surrounding him. He's had Evan Fournier and Julius Randle, who's not playing no defense this year. Consistent defense, I should say. And mm -hmm. the only area of concern to me is the free throw shooting. But look at the staff that we have. Look at the young guys that we got on this team. Look at the energy around this team. You telling me if Ben Simmons, who's craving a home to be in, craving a fan base to be in, 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 incorporated with, a locker room that he could be brought into, and if he sees the culture that's going on here, you think he's not going to get in the gym? We've seen some of the worst free throw shooters come back. Dwight Howard, he's a good free throw a better free throw shooter, not a good one. DeAndre Jordan, he's a better free throw shooter. We can see Ben Simmons. He's only 25 years old. He's younger than Julius. Julius Randle's 27. Mm -hmm. You've given him more time to hit his prime. He's not even in his prime yet. And he's already all-NBA level def um, defender and an all-NBA player. Shooting can improve. He's elite at every other aspect. I feel like this is the perfect situation for both teams involved because Philly hasn't had any outstanding offers for Ben so far. Julius alongside maybe a Evan Fournier and a few draft picks sound better to me than anything that Indiana has to offer because Indiana's not going to be offering no draft picks if they're trying to go into rebuild mode. You can't trade Evan, uh, I mean, not Evan, uh, Miles Turner to Philly because Embiid, how they, how's that going to work? Sabonis, how's that going to work? You're not replacing what Ben Simmons is giving you. He's a as an all-star player, but you still, you have Tobias Harris. How's that going to work? 
And you can't trade Malcolm Brogdon because you just gave him an extension. Karis Levert is a liability because you don't know how, how often he's going to be on the court. Portland, the only offer that they're willing to give up because they're not going to trade Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons. <laughs> then sure as hell not. So the only thing that you could get from Portland is C.J. McCollum, who just recently got injured with a collapsed lung. Would you rather have those options or would you rather have <laughs> Julius Randle, Evan mm -hmm. Fournier with some draft picks? Philly's not going to accept a better offer than that because they're not going to get one. You've, Floor is yours. You've convinced me that I asked you, how does this work for Philly? And that is actually a very good response. They, they probably won't get a better offer for Ben Simmons and Julius Randle. Julius Randle's played eight NBA seasons. Ben Simmons only played has only played four. With that said, Ben Simmons has been in three times as many playoffs, three times as many All-Star games. They both have made All-NBA All -NBA once, and Julius has played twice as long as, as Ben Simmons. Julius has never made an all-defensive team. Ben Simmons has made the first team twice. First team. First team. He ain't sneak on to that. He's first team or NBA defender. Ben Simmons has already been a steals leader. He's rookie of the year, right? These are all things that, uh, yeah, uh, if you are comparing the two, Ben Simmons is already a better player than Julius Randle. Why is my answer still no? despite all of the facts and all of the valid points that you really gave. Like, I, I am a lot less, you know, opposed to a straight-up one-for-one, which, by the way, we cannot do until probably after, you know, until close to All-Star Weekend. I think February would be the earliest that we could trade trade Julius Randle because he also has an extension. So there's no way to see how that works in the trade machine as of right now. Why am I still no? I'm still no because at the end of the day, I still feel like you make that trade, you're making a sideways trade, meaning nobody wins, nobody loses. and. At the end of the day, Julius Randle has already laid down his sacrifice. He's already given up his money to make this team a contender. And we have no guarantee that Ben Simmons will ever do anything like that. I know right now we're very frustrated. Very. I'm... You're not, you're not, I know I'm caping for Julius right now, but I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with Jules. He is not playing like the player that he was last year. He's playing a lot closer to the player that he was in the playoffs. We've seen some hints of the player that he was last season. He just scored 30-something last week. 
He made a lot of good decisions in the Spurs game, even though he wasn't scoring. He I he may have one triple double on the season where last year he already had several by this point in time. This is not your number one player. And even worse, we put a Kemba Walker next to him who was not was not going to be our number one player either. But putting him shows you what an issue it could be if we do get that number one guy to play next to Julius Randle. I forgot to say that. That's probably going to be an issue. I forgot that's to prob- say that. It's probably not going to work because Julius needs the ball in his hands in order to be effective. Exactly. You know, and we it? have no, we have no evidence that it's, that it's going to work. At least with Ben Simmons, you know that you can put him into an offense and his style is not going to clash. That's not the offense. That's not the offensive worry you have with Ben Simmons. Now, with that said, before you continue, could I ask one question? Because you said yes, he's not playing like how he did last season. I believe if he plays like last season, that's not even going to be the baseline. That's I feel like that's his peak, Julius Randle. Yeah, probably. And even if he was replicating that, do you feel like that's better a better player than peak? Ben Simmons? No, it's not. That's all I'm saying. Now, with that being said, Ben Simmons can't get out of his own way, which sounds to me like a problem that we're already dealing with with Julius. The only difference is that with Julius, we're we're paying him $10 million less this season to figure that out. Yes, he's an older player. Yes, he's been playing for twice as long as Ben Simmons. But he's getting paid according to the player that he is. Ben Simmons is getting player is getting paid to be the player that he is not yet. We 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 already admitted, okay, yes, Julius is scoring not that much more than Ben Simmons, but he does score more. He's a better he's a better scorer than Ben Simmons is. He's not the passer that Ben Simmons is. He's a better rebounder. Well, considering Ben Simmons plays with Embiid, we don't know that. Sure. We don't know what it would be if he didn't have Embiid next to him, but if what ben would Simmons it be was here, if he we, could average 10 rebounds. What what would it be if Julius was the center? We don't, don't there's no real real way to know may, unless we put Obi Toppin next to him. Here we see him at center. It don't look amazing. It doesn't look amazing. Doesn't, Obi but... looks amazing. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. I'm That's, passionate no, it's, about it's fine. Subject. I'm actually looking at I'm I'm looking at stats. Right. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons three point percentage. This is this is this is where I get off. You said shooters can always get better. You can always get better at shooting. Ben Simmons is a 14% three-point shooter. I want how many attempts? I don't care how many attempts. That matters, though. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA, and 
he's not a lights out shooter. We just finished mm-hmm. talking about Scotty Barnes. He's not a lights out shooter. He ain't even attempted three. I mean, uh, make a three last game. And no, he was he still looking it. like the best player on the team, right? He attempted it, right? And I think what you're you're getting to is the same thing that I'm going to get to, which is why the hell is Ben Simmons not attempting a three? And I'm saying is like he's playing right now, right? But that's the thing. The the conversation has always been, yo, if we could get Ben Simmons to shoot a three, we would be, the, the Sixers could probably have a title, right? But when you look at his game stats, huh? That's how good he is individually. If he, hit, if he at, shoots a three, he's a champion. And that, why isn't he doing it? And that's the thing. That's that. That's the thing, right? We know what Ben Simmons is. We even know what Ben Simmons could be. But he's not doing it. And he's not doing it because what? Because he's on the same team as Embiid. We don't. Because know. We can never answer that question. Because he doesn't head. feel. Because he doesn't feel. He doesn't feel like he needs to do it. Because he doesn't feel like. That's a part of his game that needs to be worked on. Like, is there, at the end of the day, is there an excuse for him to go as long as he has without even attempting a three? I could answer I don't think. Go ahead. Because from all that I've heard, from all the endless hours of YouTube Mm -hmm. that I spend, I spend watching a lot of basketball stuff. And... The Ben Simmons situation with him not shooting has a lot to do with his first head coach in Philly because they wouldn't push him to train in the areas that he really needed to train in in terms of shooting. They were fine with him just doing whatever he wanted to do because he was such an amazing player at everything else that they didn't challenge him to go and work on his shooting. Here in New York, he knows this is a fresh start, a new opportunity, blank slate. What does this team need from me? And I'm pretty sure with the staff that we have, they will do a, a, a perfect job of just outlining, this is what we expect from you. This is where we need you to improve on. This is how we're going to do it. They have you feel a four like point. Didn't do that? No, I feel I like maybe now with Doc Rivers, they tried doing that, and now after whatever situations happened behind the scenes, he doesn't feel like he wants to play there anymore. He I've doesn't heard. trust his teammates. He doesn't trust his coach. He doesn't trust his staff. They tried to trade him for Harden. I've heard from sports analysts that that he does not see. He doesn't see the necessity for him to even work on his three-point shot. Yeah. Well, that that can change though. That can change. It, it can change if that's he been the situation it. so far. It, it should. But if you coddled, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter where you play, right? If your get if your goal is to be one of the best in the league, which Ben Simmons, like when he first came in, everybody was like, he's going to be one of the best in this league, and he is the main reason why 
whether it be because he was next, they prioritized Joel Embiid or not, it's your it's your job to take that decision out of their hands. And regardless of how we feel about Julius Randle, at the end of the day, we know that he wants to be the number one guy. Whether he is or not, that's a completely different discussion. But it's not going to be a question of whether Julius Randle is going to work on a game that needs to be worked on. He is. Is he going to put it on the court? Eh. Is he going to work hard 100% every single time on the court? Eh. Does he want to, though? I don't question that at all. I think that if he, I don't question at all whether, if Julius Randle was to say, yo, if there was a way for me to just put my effort into this game or, or at, at, from minute one to minute 40, 48 in this game, just go out and just do like Obi Toppin does every game, I'll do it. If, he, if Julius Randle could do that, he would. I don't get that same sense from Ben Simmons, right? But. Julius Randle has a lot wrong with his mentality when it comes to this game. Don't get me wrong, right? There's a lot of shit that I, yeah. But he's getting paid like a guy who has that. Ben Simmons is getting paid like he's Giannis. Like he's one of the going to. By the he's time capable. Julius Randle's contract is over, he's still going to be paid less than what Ben Simmons is being paid this season. But he's not the player that Ben Simmons is, is what I'm trying to tell you. I ben understand Simmons that. Could hit but Ben that Simmons peak where ben he's Simmons one of the best not players the in player. the NBA. Ben Simmons is not the player that Ben Simmons is not the player that he's getting paid to be either. Ben Simmons should right now, the way that he has played, especially in the playoffs, should be getting paid around what Julius Randle's getting paid. Because they both have different problems and, and flaws with their game. Yeah, Ben Simmons is a better player than Julius Randle, but he shouldn't be getting paid that much more significantly higher than Julius until he show, unless he shows that he is going to be one of the best players in the league. I, I don't know if I want to roll the dice on that. I, ain't I could roll be wrong. The dice on Randall. I am, huh? I don't want to roll the dice on Randle. There's not nothing to roll the dice on because Keeping I, him is I can the see, dice. I can see, just like we saw in the Spurs game. This is we're having complaints about things that maybe it's going to take him another year to figure out. We never expected Julius to be the player that he was last year. And now we've asked him to alter his game. And now we know that he has a problem altering his game, but maybe it's just going to take the whole season to do that. Not saying that he will, not saying he won't. I'm just saying like, yo, there's certain things that a quarter season is not... All it's going to tell you is that this season is probably not going to work. But it's not going to tell us that next season it's not going to work. It's not going to tell us that by the end of the season you could see, oh, shit, you know what? Julius, is a, his stats are worse, but he's figuring it out. And next season he'll be better than he was this season. We're not going to know that until halfway through the season, three quarters of the season. Maybe Julius will learn how to play better with a Kemba Walker, with somebody else who's a number one option. We... He's getting paid an amount that I'm willing to say, hey, even if he doesn't get it better from get better than this, we can trade him for a much better player than Ben Simmons. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, maybe not a much better player than Ben Simmons, but a better player than Ben Simmons. Like we who? can trade him and get better value. Like who? I don't. I'm not thinking about I that right now it. because I've I'm not thinking, thinking about that it. right now. <laughs> I'm not thinking about it right now because the player that he is right now, you can't trade him for anybody. Because Even last season. 
Last season, if we traded him at the All-Star break, we wasn't getting nobody better than Ben Simmons. Because it that was a one-off, right? Because you don't know if he what happens, what's happening now was going to happen. And now we know that it's happened. Yeah, that's what I'm right? saying. So now that but we know not... what's happening right now, do you think he can somehow make a team believe that he can go back to last season after what we see in this year? Can he be a number one option? No. It doesn't look like he could be a number two option either. Well, this, And I'm hoping Philly don't see that. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to have these discussions. Why is it hard to have these discussions? The team around him is different. We don't have... We swapped out Reggie Bullock for Evan Fournier. We haven't seen that work the best that it could. I think that offensively, Randall was treating Evan Fournier just like he treated Reggie Bullock. But they have to figure it out defensively. Evan Fournier is not Reggie Bullock on defense. And we kind of need him to be. We traded Kemba Walker for he who should not be named. Traded? Like... In the swapped. Okay. Swapped them out. And because of the offensive contributions that Kemba Walker brings to that lineup, Julius doesn't know how to play with that because he's only ever had to play with a dude who doesn't give you anything on offense. So now I have to, how, I have to incorporate this guy. How does that work? There's a lot of things that he has to figure out defensively how to work with Fournier. He has to figure out offensively how to work with Kemba. That will affect his that. If it was just bringing that whole team back from last season, who knows what, what kind of Julius we see. We, who knows if, if he's not out there figuring it out. And on top of that, the same shit that Atlanta Hawks was doing in the playoffs, he has to figure that out too in season, that these teams are thrown at him on a nightly basis now. He's And to me, at least... Even though he's playing worse than he played last season, I do see him figuring some of this stuff out. I do see him figuring out, okay, this whole week he was the second leading scorer behind RJ. And he's not looking bad out there distributing the ball and well, getting the ball out of his hands. I'm he's not, not looking he's like bad. he's not he's not out there looking like this zone. And these additional double teams, it seems like he's figuring those things out. Yeah, but I'm I'm fine with that. Like, you have to now, trade stuff to get stuff. You can't yeah, trade shit and get a superstar so, player. So let, let me get to the point that I was going to make. Maybe this season is just going to be a figure-it-out season for us. Which I'm not, I'm not mad at that. And if it's a figure-it-out season... Let us roll with the young guys. Well, not just when I say figure it out season, I mean majority of the season is going to be Randall figuring out all of the things that how to be a number one option while also not being as dominant, ball dominant. Figuring out how to play defensively when your def your team defense has taken a hit when you they lost their two big best defenders in Reggie Bullock and Frank Nilakina, at least on the perimeter. Figuring out the damn 
defensive tactics that the Atlanta Hawks, you know, unleashed on him in the playoffs. That's for Julius Randle by himself, as well as not having a center to clean up all of your mistakes the way that we had pretty much all of last season. Yeah, we didn't have it for 48 minutes, but we at least had one guy, whether it be Nerlens or whether it be Mitch. Right now, we've got neither. Figuring that out, how are we going to maintain our good defense when we don't have any of our starting fives able to play the way that they can? And uh, yeah, I know you want to say play Jericho Sims, but you know Tips ain't going to start Jericho Sims with the starting five. You know he ain't going to give him that kind of play. You know he's not going to give him those minutes. He's Especially when you have, when, when you can still play Mitch, you can still play Nerland, you can still play Taj, you can still play Obi ahead of him. He's not going to do that. He's going to roll with the guys that he knows what they're going to offer him. So figure that out. Figure out how are we going to get the best out of the guys that are here and healthy. And see who deserves to stick around. Yeah. And right now, the reason why I'm not up in arms is that I feel like the Knicks are dealing with a lot at the same time. And a lot of people are being reactionary, talking about we need to blow it up. We need to trade this guy and that guy. Maybe we should take a look at the Dame Lillard trade. Trade RJ and OB. Oh, and no, Di- don't do that. Bro. No RJ trades. The East Trip is good me. this year. And this Knicks team has showed you what they can look like if they're not having to figure certain things out. But I'm starting to that- think that that first week in the season was a fluke. It could be. Or it could have, it could be, or it could be just evidence that this can work. It's just not going to be easy. We just have to wait. Right? That's could that it could be that too. Like, what does this team look like with a healthy Mitch, a healthy Nerlens, Julius done figured out, okay, this is what I need to do when they start doing this bullshit with the double teams and the fucking, and the, and the zone. What does this team look like when the when the, when those two when oh and RJ had found a shot, those four things. What does this team look like when all four of those things are working for them? And when Obi can hit his corner threes consistently, I'm not even worried about Obi in the corner three. The, no, but the that fact that Obi is a, a lot. it does change a lot. But the fact that Obi is a threat because of how he shot it last season is good enough. It's good enough for me. I, I'm not. Nobody is, is thinking, okay, what Obi shot last season is a fluke. Everybody thinks that Obi is going to shoot again. He's going to shoot well again. Because there's times where he comes out and he hits a couple threes, and it's like, yeah, the, the, the shot is real. So I'm, it's just the fact that Obi can out be out there and be a threat from the perimeter. That's good enough for me. Because he does everything else great. He's Except for be, you know, he's, he's not going to ever be an all-NBA defender, or at least I don't see it. But he plays good enough defense to be on the court. So I'm not even worried about Obi, right? These, those other four things, though, those were concerns. If those four things are no longer concerns, what does this team look like? This team doesn't look that bad to me if those four things are not concerns. Yes, Julius Randle has had times where he's fallen asleep on defense. Yeah, Evan Fournier has had times where he's fallen asleep on defense. But last season wasn't all roses every single game either. Like, there were times where dudes fell asleep. There was multiple times that he who should not be named was falling asleep on the screen and guard out there guarding nobody. And it, But we still were able to play the way that we played. Why? Because everything else 
was set and defined and we knew what we had. Right now, we're figuring it out. Here's the last mm -hmm. thing I'm mm -hmm. going to say regarding the trade. Because I don't want it to seem as if I'm doing this reactionary uh, trade I don't think you idea. are either. Because I feel like what we're seeing from Julius Randle is indicating how far away we are from a championship for real. And if the, if the goal is to hit and find a formula where this team could play more consistently to the point where we're looking like the Phoenix Suns, you're going to need players who offer more than what Julius Randle offers. Yes. Consistently, too. Yes. And I feel like even if Ben Simmons isn't that guy, if you get a few good seasons of, of Ben Simmons and that attracts another guy to come to the team, that changes everything. I don't feel like Julius Randle would be attracting anyone to come play here because this is Carmelo all over again with just a little more passing and a little more defense. I don't think that we need to worry about one guy attracting other players. I think we need to worry about what this team looks like or as a team and the identity and what they represent. Maybe I shouldn't say I think attract that's, another player. I think, I think that's more important than whether Julius Randle looks like a one or two or three option. I, I, and on top of that, the reason why I, I brought up Ben Simmons' contract is because when you're talking about building a championship team and bringing guys over, you have to think, think about the contract as well. I do believe that if this team figures it out as currently constructed, you have a much better chance of bringing in two to three guys who will bring you a championship than you do with if you just swap out Julius Randle for Ben Simmons. And I don't... And, Contractually, I don't think that I don't think that the Knicks can just I don't know. I'll have to wait until you can trade Julius Randle, but I don't think you can just trade Julius for Ben Simmons one one one. You probably have to throw in another salary in there. And that's a salary that you could use for another trade to bring in another guy, as opposed to, you know, just keeping Julius. And now we're talking about trades. All right, now we can trade this. We can trade that. We can. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. We have more assets in that case as opposed to what you may have to give up in a Julius Randle for Ben Simmons trade. But I feel like RJ could also form into that guy that we're looking for next to Ben Simmons. I, A lot easier next to Ben Simmons than next to uh, Randle. Because there's still a lot of times where RJ's hot. In San Antonio game, he's wide open a lot after scoring 19 points in the first half. Goes several possessions without touching the ball still because Randu's with the ball. Rose mm -hmm. is doing some other low. I don't know what he's doing. But, like, I, I, I just always was a big fan of, his, of Ben Simmons' playmaking. And the options on this team are not bad for a guy coming here looking for a fresh start, not looking to step on any toes, looking to just get ingratiated into the offense. I don't know what's going on with my speech right now, but whatever. <laughs> but I just see it as a win-win. We can move on from this topic and just get into the predictions. 
All right, I'm with it. Last week, we predicted that on the 7th of December, when the Knicks went to San Antonio to face the Spurs, I predicted the Knicks would win by at least five. You predicted that they would win by at least eight. And we were both correct this week or on this particular one because the Knicks won 121-109. And slam it up, snap it up. Leading into the Indiana game. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, let's see who's closer next game. I was closer, though, (laughs) right? I was closer. Yes, we were both right, but I was closer. Mm -hmm. Knicks at Pacers. I predicted the Knicks win by three plus. French, you predicted the Pacers would win by one. And because you... (laughs) Sounds like I was closer. Pacers won, <laughs> so I guess that means that you were closer. Almost pulled up the clean sweep. <laughs> Heading into Toronto to face the Raptors, the Knicks just got shellacked mm-hmm. by three points, and I predicted that we would win by five, and you predicted they would win by at least ten. And I was closer. That, you were closer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that did but, not... But that's the, not the Knicks good, didn't win, but, yeah, you know, lost. whatever. Upcoming games this week, we have, ooh, tough, 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 tough week, especially <laughs> when you look at some other, that's, I, we'll talk about it, you know, when I get to the game, but mm-hmm. we're starting off the Knicks versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I say that the Knicks are going to win. That's right. Win by eight. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's how you feel. You think that's how win? I feel. How do you feel, French? I feel like there have been many encouraging signs in the last few games, but we haven't been consistent. This is a home game at the Garden. Milwaukee Bucks are the defending champions, and I can see them coming in and getting this win by at least five. Actually, make it three. Make it three. It's going to be a close game for you. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the statistics say that statistics say that I'm probably going to be wrong. The Knicks are terrible at home and the Bucks are the defending champs so and you also got to consider the fact that they know that there's another nationally televised game coming up against the red hot golden state warriors and historically speaking so far this season they normally play bad before tnt game because they're trying Mm. to save up their conserve their energy and Mm. uh conserve their focus and yeah go ahead (laughs) i didn't hear your prediction for the, the Bucks. Bucks, I mean, yeah, the Bucks. Uh, I I said the Knicks would win by eight. Knicks right? would win by eight. Okay. Speaking of Golden State, <laughs> we're gonna be on TNT playing them at home on December fourteenth. Steph Curry's looking like the league MVP right now. Mm-hmm. 
but Tom Thibodeau is a defensive-minded coach. I see him firing up this, this team to guard Steph Curry from half court, make sure that no one, like if we're going to lose, we're going to lose to Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. And Key and Peele. Because we have such a great resume of letting the role players come into the garden and light us light ass on fire, I have Golden State winning this game by five. All right, you got the Knicks losing by five. So we're going to go on a four-game losing streak? Yeah. And then wow. Houston, we're going to wax that ass. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I say that the Knicks are also going to lose by 10. Just because the Warriors are going to be, the Warriors are one of the best teams in the league right now. And I, I, Knicks are not consistent enough for me to feel like they're going to win against both the Bucks and the Warriors, but I don't think the Knicks are going to go on a four-game losing streak. So I think that they're going to win, in, win against the Bucks. They're going to lose to the Warriors. Could it flip-flop? 100%. But I, I don't think they're going to lose to both of these teams. And so. following this game, the Knicks will be going over to Houston where they will play the Rockets. And I think that... I don't think that the Knicks are going to wax the Rockets. They First of all, they didn't wax the Rockets last time they played. It was a very close game. And... The Houston Rockets very recently have gone on a six-game winning streak. They're not as terrible as they were before. Something's going on. They figured something out. But they weren't terrible before when they, they played weren't, us. They just they, had a bad they, record. They, they only had one win before playing us. So they were pretty bad, even though they were, they were figuring it out, I guess, by the time they reached us. Mm-hmm. The, the, you still came in one in 17 or whatever they came in at. Let me see. They just lost. They were one in 16, I guess. Since they, since they played us, they went on a six game winning streak. They've won seven of their last 10 games and they're currently on a one game losing streak. They're eight and 17 right now in the standings. That is their current record. I think that the Knicks are going to win. But it's still going to be a close game. I say the Knicks by two. Don't believe the hype. As a Knicks fan, you should know this better than anyone. All bad teams go on that nice little run that get us hyped. Remember when we would be having them 17 win seasons and then we go on a nice little four or five game win streak? And then mm -hmm. we'd be confused when the guys on ESPN talking about how we ain't going nowhere anyway. They, we hype over a four or five game win streak. That's mm -hmm. the Houston Rockets. <laughs> they went on a nice streak that's the highlight of their season and then they're gonna go and lose another 15 straight so I feel I, like I'm, I don't disagree with you I feel like they're gonna come into the garden possibly not getting a win since this Nets game cause they lost to the Bucks. they play against the Grizzlies who I just mentioned earlier, smacked OKC by NBA record. And then they're going to play the Hawks. I don't favor them in that matchup. And then they play the Cavaliers, who are looking like a playoff team this year so far. 
So I don't favor them in that matchup either. So I can see them coming in here on a losing streak, four game losing streak, and we're going to be the ones to extend it to five. It's going to be a battle I mean, of the losing streaks because we're going to be on a losing streak and they're going to be on a losing streak. I mean, I'm looking at the same schedule. All right, listen. They, they faced us, they lost. Then they lost to the Celtics. Then they beat the Bulls. Then they beat the Hornets in overtime. Then they beat OKC. Blew them out. Then they beat OKC again by four. Then they beat the Magic. Then they beat New Orleans. Then they beat the Nets by 10. Uh, I, if the Knicks don't come to play the way that they haven't come to play in recent games, it's just going to be a close game. That's, you know. But and, and don't forget, they were also losing to the Rockets. <laughs> they were losing to the Rockets in that first half. Like, the they didn't come reason, out to play. For the same reason that the other teams lost to the Rockets. You look at the Rockets' record, you know, all right, we ain't coming to play against them. But after a six-game winning streak, now they have your attention. You have to come up to the game and prepare. And that's why I don't see them winning another game because they beat the Nets at By home, 10. I believe, right? Oh, no, in oh. Houston. They beat the Nets and they beat the, the Magic. They beat all these quality teams. But now that they, the whole league has, has recognized that they went on a nice little six-game win streak, the players are going to be like, all right, let's, all right, we're not playing with them. We're not losing to this bum-ass team. And that's what's going to happen. The Knicks are going to set the record straight, let them know, we're not losing to y'all. We're the better team by far. We on a losing streak. We need to win. We desperate for wins. And I see OB Toppin going crazy this game, possibly eclipsing his career high. Hmm. Specifics right. with the predictions today, you were. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, you got anything that you want to plug, anything you're watching, anything you're listening to? Yeah, it's a lot. I'm actually watching it. I watched BMF. Show was good. I think I shouted out on here before. I think you I did just as well. finished watching this a Sandra Bullock movie last night with, with Jaya. Love you, Jaya. I love you. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of this movie. Sandra Bullock, Unforgivable. I think that movie was good. It's long as hell, but it's long. It's, it's, it's a good. Go watch that. That's my plug for the day. I just found out yesterday that they canceled Cowboy Bebop after one season. Yeah, I was Not just thinking about that show. <laughs> <laughs> I just shot him out. And they already canceled that joint. I'm like, yo, that ain't gonna give them a, a chance. You know, maybe people waiting for the holidays or something to watch it. You I, you done with it? Like That's crazy. I was but just I still gotta watch like, What happened to Cowboy Bebop? I'm just thinking about that like two days ago. I, I still gotta watch BMF. I was I, I was hearing that that's a pretty good show. Yeah, it's a good I gotta show. make I gotta make time for it. I've just been watching my anime. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching my anime. Demon Slayer's season two just came out. So I'm like, yeah, no, I got to watch Demon Slayer. I, I went to the movies to watch the movie. I, I'm committed at this point. So <laughs> so I got to catch up and then I'll start with BMF or, or, or got to watch Power too. I, it's all stuff I, I, gave watch on, I gave up on Power I have after no... uh, season five or season, whatever the last season of the regular Power was. I gave up on that shit. I'm not mad at, I'm not mad at them following with the with the series, the little yeah, spin-offs. Yeah, 
with the spinoffs. I'm I'm not maybe mad at maybe it. I'll watch it. I don't know. I just can't get into it right now. Cause it's just it, it was, that last season was hard to watch. But <laughs> I I get into it. I keep hearing people talk good things about the show. I'll probably tune in. You yeah. tune in to be I'm wait I'm waiting for the Tommy one. Anyway. Yeah. All right, bro. I'll holler at you. For all all you listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Love thank y'all. you for listening to Two. The Knicks Take Podcast. The Knicks Take the Knicks, the, Knicks, the, 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 the Knicks Take Podcast. Peace. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.